Hello and welcome to another edition of Turn Out of Punk Footnotes. I am one of your hosts, Damien Abraham, and with me, literally beside me, <laughs> as never before, your friend, my friend, in physical form, Chris O'Toole. Chris, how you doing, bud? Good, man. How are you? Good, good. This is it, man. You're, you're it's now... nice to be in the... Uh... The the hot the whatever the what do you call this the hot seat the booth the booth you're in the you know you've been you've been in the house before in but, the house, but never in this kind of capacity no so this is our first I feel like I start with like turn up the headphones and then we'll start but yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> you're live in the booth yeah. kick it hot verse style Chris yeah, yeah it's hot fire so now you can see all the. Uh, this room actually has a great vibe I mean I know you've slightly described it I think in past. Um, podcast, but it is a pretty impressive room to be in, to be fully immersed in, like... <laughs> Just nerd. Nerd, but it is all very, though, like, you do it in a good way. Like, I gotta say, it is a very congested room, but congested. it still works. Very congested. As, yeah. As, like the set wall is actually supremely impressive, too. I love these types it's of actually grown. It's actually grown, I think, because I don't think you had all this last time I was in here. Uh, I think you might have had one of the racks? No, I probably had a couple of them. Because I had them at the old place, but I got a new one. One of these is new, yeah, but I love this. Looks... This is my favorite way to display tapes. And I got the idea actually from uh, like a Thurston Moore photo. Where he had that? Yeah. He has that. And I'm like, oh, that looks amazing. It does. It looks very good. Because the, other, the only other thing that would be better to display your tapes would be some way of displaying like the, the tape cover art. The cover, yeah. There's no way to hold that. No, thing. but it would take too much space. Yeah. So. I love this like yeah. spine type thing. No, it's really good. What I'm trying to say is it, it increases the uh, I don't know the atmosphere being in the in the booth as it were, surrounded by the very things that via osmosis we're going to talk about. Yeah, I think there's going to be like some records that we can actually pull that we're going to come up today because we could actually do a couple episodes realistically. We're th- this is our first. Yeah. official return because yep. now we're going to be yep. in like some sort of like regular yeah. you know stage in our lives for a while knock on wood <laughs> yes exactly so we are going to do like some sort yeah. of some regular oh, yeah. return so this is our return episode yeah the, the newest two we can knock over as much as possible we could do long, yeah. yeah because but I think Jamie Stewart one in general not to throw shade on any others was is like yeah you told me and your brother told me yeah <laughs> and then I finally got time to listen to it and I yeah I completely get now why you two were so insistent not that I was like not wanting to listen to it I just was like okay I'll you know I'll get to it and you do it I was like no but you don't I'm like, alright well because yeah I that's the thing it. is like you're also a big Shushu fan too yeah, yeah. so it's double works for me because it's well, it suits the show. It's a great interview, as always. You, you, I think you nailed the interview. I think he dug the interview. Um, and then it also didn't really deal with Shushu, which was kind of interesting. I like any time you get somebody that has such a very, uh, you know, more or less polarizing career, yet they're talking so in-depth about things that really are not that, but it's their whole journey. It was really good. It nails the show's, uh, I'm lacking a word here, Agenda, yeah, yeah, so to speak. Or, it's the perfect example. It's a, a perfect, another perfect example of what the show is great for. Not, I'm not speaking of this show. I'm speaking of the turn of the punk idea, as it were. Well, that's my um, ideal like episode yeah, where you, where you yeah. start with like one idea on how it's going to go. Yeah, like I sat down to do that, and I kind of like, you know, was like, okay, here's pretty how he probably grew up into music, and then right away, immediately a curve. 
Yeah, like even my, I mean, again, I had sort of a picture I'd painted in my head too. Weirdly enough, I'd never really, I'd read very little that he'd ever uh, been interviewed. I don't even know, I, I don't even know if I heard interviews or whatever. I've definitely read press on Shushu ages ago, but it was very like, um, he seemed to have a very, very methodical way. I think this is a fair assessment of Shushu for those who listen and know. Uh, a very methodical way of presenting his work and presenting it in a way that had, you know, a certain level, and this is meant in a compliment when I say this, normally not, but a certain amount of pretension in sort of all the right ways. And one of the ways would be these like overly embellished, almost like too raw to the bone um, ways of describing like some sort of traumatic thing he'd had in his life or whatever. And so the only things I would ever experience that were like his expression beyond the music were sort of like these descriptions of like, you know, I think one thing I remember reading was something like my parent, like whatever parent died, I can't remember. And he ended up making whatever the EP was. I believe it was the Fag Patrol EP. And so it was like, the only things you ever had into his life seemed to be these like really, really dark, depressing things. And his expression of it just seemed to be so curt and so like detached. So to hear him talk lengthily about, you know, whatever, like that journey is kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. Like, well, it's not, I think it's very interesting. I think for people like me, if I wasn't a fan of his, it would make me more interested to hear his stuff too, because he has a very, uh, like coherent, you know, line of of his journey and i think he has a very very when you think of what shushu's like even if you don't listen to shushu sonically and it's not your thing perhaps you can still appreciate the things he's sort of vibing on or where he's coming from when you especially when you hear this kind of story Mm -hmm. anyway no yeah because it's not like it's not like some like you know punk hardcore dude that got into world music six months ago and picked (laughs) up like a bunch of like you know, comps. Yeah, and yeah. was like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have an Afrobeat influence now when yeah. I do my music. You know, yeah. like he's coming from it. Like, here's this dude that went to like reggae music festivals and Bowie shows as his first concerts. It's true. You know, like his his taste in that stuff is like, like yeah, you know, as authentic as one can have taste in any type of music. It seems like he just seems like someone who's grounded in all forms. Yeah, of- that's the other thing I also didn't expect. Part of the thing I thought was great about the episode, uh, like just on a surface level, was I didn't realize, even though Shushu has I don't even know how many records, a lot, almost as many as your band, if not more. Mm-hmm. Um, I never like it's weird to say this again in this context, but I never like v- thought of him as like a musician guy, if that makes sense. And if yeah. you know Shushu's music, that kind of makes sense, I think. But I just always thought he was like a guy that, you know, had sort of toyed around with things and never had a formal background in anything. And so hearing it's like, oh no, he has like a, you know, more or less a massively formal background yeah. Yeah. to the point where he talks like a lot about like the bass tuning stuff was hilarious. And like the... I was that was so over my head. I think he said fretless bass too, and I was just like, what? yeah, fretless. What? Like, like the whole era, I'm envisioning this era of a guy, and like I did not ever think that this <laughs> was. And it's funny. I think a lot of people who listen to that music would be, in a good way, like 
kind of shocked to hear these kind of stories. But one thing I really liked is because he's roughly our age, I think slightly older, but you know, he's in the window. And a lot of what he's describing about encountering the types of people, like when that guy, the, the shed he lived in, that yeah, guy. Yeah. Like that guy, that archetype of a guy, which sadly I don't think really exists that much anymore. No. If they do, it's certainly at music stores. but um, Or at rehearsal Or at rehearsal, spaces. exactly. Yep, exactly. So. But I still think they're a very rare breed now, like super rare. And But in the, in the sort of the 90s anyway... Um, I recall encountering a lot more people like that, like people that you would have to sort of have a little bit of an experience with and largely you thought were like, you know, massively uncool, whether you were correct or not in that assessment. But like, yeah, it's, I don't know how to quite summarize it, but it's just the idea of that kind of guy, him having this like weirdly fundamental like foundation with a guy like that to be like if anyone like because when when i first heard shushu i heard of shushu from like weird like you know slight diy you know hipster sources to think that this guy was in like a band with like or not band whatever but uh like session people jammed and like just be like what (laughs) like even like inter interested in reggae at all would have been like a no like what oh yeah yeah so it's it's funny and it's funny also that he (laughs) <laughs> the music for me I kind of like when people are, like their music doesn't really quite give the picture of what they're like and I think like in terms of like how eclectic they can be and Shushu certainly like I don't hear any of that in Shushu at yeah. all so it's super funny like I don't in, in a good way I think it's an interesting uh, it, it's a high compliment that someone can have a vision so concise that they can do something exactly what they want that's completely different than that world I guess is what I would say but I enjoyed massively those the awkward journey to that. Although he had a lot more cooler, like in a band with the people he was in. After yeah, it was that, ridiculous, which is unbelievable. But yeah. Anyway, sorry. Go. No, no. I, I I was like, I think as you say that that his uh, his landlord <laughs> was like such a, yeah. a hallmark of that yeah. era. But it was also when I was thinking about that landlord, there's like this weird pity I have because he's like one of those people that. Man, grunge must have fucked up that dude's shit like super hard. <laughs> you know, like That's he had super, it kind of yeah. like figured yeah. out, and then grunge comes out, and it's like all of a sudden he's like, "Okay, I need a Nine Inch Nails influence in what I'm doing." That yeah, that was that was again. I hope that isn't lost on people. Yeah, you're nailing that. I think that whole ushering in of like. Certainly Nine Inch Nails was a big one, and ministry, I would argue, even more so. Yeah, like, yeah. like, Jesus Built My Hot Rod ministry yeah. in particular. Yeah. Like, when that hit, it was like those metal people just all kind of realized that, well, to them and their brains, uh, if I'm stereotyping, <laughs> uh, that that was, like, the future they needed. Yeah. Like, this was, like, <laughs> this is the next <laughs> okay. one. It's like, you know, all, like, Extreme Metal Comma or whatever, all that kind of stuff, like Sepultura Slayer. And then it was like, okay, well, where do we go? And some some of them, I think, went like, oh, this, this is it. Yeah, this is it. And uh, they were wrong, but... <laughs> as culture has dictated, but... Um, well, because it's like, that was, like, the way that you could still, like, have that high fashion kind of component to it. Like, there was, like, that need to dress up that you had with yeah. like grunge or with glam, I should say. Yeah, it, what it is is it it they had like if the if they were people of the hair metal thing, mm-hmm. that became so like massively uncool, literally overnight, which was fantastic for anybody who wasn't in that world. But 
for those people, okay, they have a culture shock of epic proportions. <laughs> yeah, it's like, and where then, do I go? Yeah, so then their next thought is, okay, well, what other level of, like, aesthetic pretension can I do? And, of course, it becomes, like, the the William Gibson 90s, you know, Wired magazine, Nine Inch Nails, <laughs> yeah. like, Jim Rose sideshow, like, whatever you want to say. <laughs> that world then becomes it, right? But the funniest part to me is that none of those people had any interest in like what those bands seemed to be influenced by. Oh yeah, no. So it was funny because it just came off really weird. I guess that what I would describe it as, and there's people who will understand this and sadly some people won't even now uh, that might be younger, but like it's the equivalent and the easiest way I can say it is when you saw like Metallica unload, right? And they cut their hair <laughs> and it was just weirdly awkward to see all these guys and it shouldn't mean anything for people to cut their hair a bunch of dudes cut their hair who cares yeah but it was like the hugest deal because they looked like so out of place it looked yeah. like look you know grown adult men all of a sudden that their like parents came over and dressed them and cut their hair yeah. and they looked and it happened a, a minute ago and then they were chucked out in the spotlight and they looked like completely uncomfortable and completely weird and inauthentic no, it was like they, they were dads and they got divorced yes or that and they exactly. were like okay how do i how do I look yeah. cool to meet young, so, younger girls? Yeah, exactly. And so that's what that era of, like, that guy was like. And, and describing this band, like, man, I just, like, like you, it was like, yup, I get this totally. Because yeah. I, have uh, in my town, there was, like, a, you know, a gaggle of those kind of guys because the sort of referencing a, a wonderful Canadian reference to this is always what I think of when I think of this. I think is the title of the song, The Headbangers Next Door. What's the Chicks Diggit song? The... Oh. On the first record, there's a song called I think it's like the Headbangers Next Door. I can't remember about titles. You might have it here. I, but, I, don't, um, I actually have that record. Uh, I, I do only have, have it on CD. It, but I have it on vinyl. Yeah, yeah, I have it. But it's honest on suit on vinyl, or did you get reissued? Oh, no, Sub Pop OG. Oh, Sub yeah. Pop did that's right. Because they're on Sub Pop first. Yeah, that's but right. the um, I think weirdly enough, tangent uh, riding on the Canadiana wave of Sub Pop uh, with like the Eric Strip thing and all that. I think they were hipped to the chicks dig it thing from that kind of well world. yeah because there was that we did that, i did that episode mm. with kj and we yeah, talked yeah. about that but uh anyway yeah everything on, was on i think honest don's after but it's something there's some song about like the headbangers next door and i had that experience as a youngster having these bizarre neighborhoods that were like headbanging people <laughs> who were renting and like it was a thing of, of that like i don't know i want to say it was probably 91 or 92 like experiencing that Van Horn? No, what song is it? It is Shadowy Bangers on a Shadowy Duplex. So oh yeah. I, I think there's a lyrics some duplex. lyric about next door neighbor. That's where I'm getting confused. But Shadowy Bangers on a Shadowy Duplex on the first uh, Chicks Ticket record, which is flawless, by the way, if you haven't heard it. Um It's never sold on C D on Discogs. <laughs> but the uh anyway, I think of that kind of song and I think of that era, like that kind of thing sums up these kind of characters, I think, perfectly. It's crazy how expensive just nineties records are now in general. I don't know. Thankfully That's fifty bucks. Yeah, I have it. That's good that's good news. <laughs> um but yeah, it's a great record. Yeah, nineties yeah. records in general though are crazy expensive now. It's a great record, fantastic record. I it is cool. It's specifically cool though because like Chicks Theater are cool anyway. Band's great, you know, uh, you know, all the way through in my opinion. But that first record, there's something about it. I remember seeing them. Weirdly enough, the it was a Much Music expose. It was either on New Music, uh, right, new, or even maybe Much West or something weird, where they were. But basically, it was like this weird expose that they would air. They used to do these little. Um, 
and you would know more than me having actually been employed there, but I don't know how much they did it when you were there. <laughs> yeah, right. And the other no, but you know what I mean. Like, like they were doing anything cool when I was there. <laughs> but point being, they did these... Except for my fucking show. <laughs> it was, you know, post-Wedge era, and they did these, this thing where it was like... Um, similar to the new music where they would do these little bumpers they were like minute or two and they would throw them on prime time so they it was either a teaser for new music or something but Chick Stick was on it and it showed them live and I was like man this looks amazing and so I I got hip to the band from that and that was whatever year probably 94, 95 and uh, that record right away I bought when it came out on, on vinyl still have it and like but it was weird because that them being on Sub Pop was actually a really really neat vibe and in retrospect it's like super cool because they don't ever do anything they think they did one single in that LP and that was it Yeah. so it, that record being expensive I kind of get it oh they got two singles or two yeah but it was like just whatever it was like that it's, it's a neat little like window of time of like yeah they did many records after they're all great and they're a great band but like there's something weird about that. Like they got the, they got a marquee label like immediately, and then it sort of just went differently. And now mm-hmm. I think a lot of people that get into them don't think of that label associated with them, which is what I think is cool. Well, they don't even seem like a fat records band. No, exactly. And that also, like when that happened, I thought that's weird. Mm-hmm. You know, even though it's whatever Honest Dons or it was Honest Dons first, more and then they ran up on oh, fat. right on fat. Okay, yeah, I think they were on fat for the, like their second last record. Yeah. The the, yeah. the newest ones are great. Like I, I heard one well now, probably five or six years ago. Safeways here here we come. I think it's called excellent. Yeah, we played with them a couple times, yeah. and it's like they're they're still a fantastic yeah. band. It's like, you know, like if you were gonna get down to it, like the bands that were cool, like that you thought were cool back then, that were Canadian, that were popular. It was not a lot. Yeah, no. I'm not saying. I mean, like. Not maybe not. I don't mean to speak for you, but no, I'm saying no, for no, me. I, 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 I mean, like, like I was into, you know, like the bands that were popular, popular. Like now, I respect a lot more bands, and I and I have gone back and I've realized that I was just being a dumb kid. But at the time, it was like, chicks dig it, and slow. That's the only two you're saying that you like still. No, no, no. Now I like a lot more. But back oh, then, oh, those, those are the were only the, two that got the pass. That got the pass. Ah, okay. No, I had more. I, I had more, but I. I yeah, I well, and Sloan always liked, and I always liked uh, Chick's Day like from the get go. But the, uh, I I you know Eric's trip, Eric's trip, yeah. You know, there was Eric's trip was they always were kind cool. of gone by that point. Yeah, they were, but you know, Elevator and I saw Elevator and yeah. I you know, but like so, yeah. There was, I mean, I know, I think I know what you're getting at, but the, we did have, you know, we did have cool. One. I think it just depended right i think what you what we're hitting on here is you either if you weren't like fully in the indie rock world like all in you typically weren't like talking about thresh hermit so much no. from my experience and thresh hermit or, were sick and they, and they like were sick yeah one of the best ascendance covers ever <laughs> which is the funniest point of reference to <laughs> for this show that makes I, I brought that sense. I, every time i see uh every time i see so uh, joel yeah joel i bring it up to joel <laughs> Like, dude, you got that sick Descendants cover. Like, the sickest. He must I, be just I brought like... up to the Descendants, too. I'm like, yo, you know who did the best cover, you guys? <laughs> the Rush Herman. No shit, eh? Yeah. Nice. But the, uh, um, he also, I don't know if they covered Husker Du, or he definitely talks about them a lot. And, like, when I've seen, I've seen him many, many times play with Thresh Herman or not. And uh, he has mentioned them a good deal. So there is punk, you know, punk points there for the show. Anyway, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Canadiana bands. I'm trying to think of bands that were like bigger. That Super I Friends. Liked. I like Super, Super Friends. Friends are great. Other oh, like all those. Yeah, like yeah, but those bands are like yeah, like but I mean, like, I kind of put them under that Sloan umbrella. Yeah, I agree. You know? I'm trying to think of like a bigger one though that we 
like Limlifter. I didn't like Limlifter back nope, then. I'm with you. I don't still. I, I don't, heard him I, the other day, and I was like, "This is good." Yeah, I don't have beef. I don't care. I just I don't. I didn't vibe with it. I was all. like, I vibe with it now. Yeah. Even I'll waiting. give you a better one, and it suits the city and yada yada. But like Len, first yeah. Len record's actually pretty great. Oh, it's a pretty awesome um, record. Yeah, but it's still they were not really my kind of band. Even another kind of big one that I don't vibe with is Hayden. Uh, I got. Have you heard of that Hayden uh, single where he does the Pixies cover? I saw him do it like. Well, I saw him do a Pixies live. Like I saw him do that yeah. stuff live way way back. But that sound is um, just sick. I got it over there somewhere. But yeah, like so there was. I'm trying to think of bigger ones, like bigger Canadian bands that we're thinking of here. Can rock bands that were representative of that era. This is a funny tangent. Anyway. Ladies. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, that got a little too overblown, but you always yeah. like to put that connection. <laughs> What's the connection there? It's uh, the Simon day. Harvey was going to do a record for them uh and it was like a split with them and like some like crazy Yeah, that's what that's what it was. metal band or something and, and it was a discussion record. Yeah, it was a discussion <laughs> record. And I asked the bass Amazing. player about it one time and he's like, "Yeah, that kind of sounds familiar." <laughs> <laughs> it was I just love these people just being like, "What, what are you talking?" I know about? it's like that's like that's my only like, that's like the only joy I have being in music, throwing <laughs> people off with weird yeah, points. like <laughs> knocking on the dude from Monster Magnet's dressing room and being like, "Hey, can we talk to you about shrapnel for a second? <laughs> <laughs> or going up to Duff McKagan and asking him about the farts. See, but I think he that one makes more sense to me because he was he is, pretty shocked. Yeah, but he seems like a guy that would embrace it rather than he someone did. who, like, he, I feel like he, now perhaps I'm being over whatever about this, but, like, I think he might have been asked about that one before, at least. He acted like he couldn't believe it. Like, he's like, what? <laughs> like, he was, like, just, like, flabbergasted. <laughs> and then, I forget, Jonah or someone's, like, talking about how they had a friend that had, like, a farts tattoo. Jeez. And he's like, I, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, that is a bit strange. Yeah, it was a few a years ago now, so I think maybe he's come to yeah. come to grips with it a little bit better. But like, I'm just thinking, like, though, you know, in a world post American hardcore book, I just would have assumed that one other person in whatever musical encounters that he has would have. But then again, you know, I don't know, maybe not. Like, you guys definitely, when I say you guys, sorry, fucked up the group, the entity of human beings, are pretty good for being the first people to kind of knock on a lot of these doors and like do those things so yeah I'll give you that much yeah we were we lucked out yeah well i mean you've you've done it you've done all the great punishing to like we've done a lot, a lot of, of the good, good punishing we've done a lot of good punishing over the years <laughs> i mean that as a compliment because no, i'm amused by the stories and i, I can't <laughs> believe me this podcast is all about punishing <laughs> this podcast is like a, a secret punishing vehicle <laughs> To punish some of the greats. What's another talking point for this episode? Since we uh, I guess like we got to so go much. into this band, a Live Nude Psychics. Yeah, I don't hate that name. Also, by the way, I think it's kind of a, a, a funny name. Like you're it's, betraying your like weird nineties. Like, no, like no, I don't hate it though. I think it could work. Like, industrial if were, handbook. If there was side. a band that came out today called Live Nude Psychics, I don't think I would hate it. I, I, you know, I think that's passable. When he was, what was the other band he was in? It was like oh, the Motor something or Psycho. No, it was like uh, it was even weirder. It was similar to like your urine trouble. It was like a funny like. It was way too quirky. Like oh, that he was. He had a bunch. He had like oh, a Brutus ate a taco. There we go. That's it. It's like that's too corny. You yeah, know what that's I mean? too like, corny. But like, live nude psychics is you know it's not great, but it's not 
It's passable. I'm okay with that. That sticker, by the way, is amazing. That sticker that is amazing. That makes sense to me because I saw that you post that, and I was like, I don't know what the hell this is, but it just, okay, cool. You can tell my Tristan's like the biggest Shushu fan, too, because like he has put every single band that Jamie Stewart's in. Like <laughs> in every single side project in the description. It's like sometimes it's like, like just like photographer or yeah. broken social scene, like one thing that the person was in. But here no, it's like he didn't. He he nailed a few. It wasn't just one band for broken social. Scene. It was a few. Oh, it was a few yeah. he put yeah, in there. Okay. He's got Casey accent all in there. He's oh, he does have that. Yeah. Okay, I should. I should. But either way, you're right. It is very extensive. For it's the very extensive. James it's like the whole resume. <laughs> Uh, I wanted to find out because that band that he had, Techno Primal, that was the other band. Yeah, that name is bad. And uh, which one was it? That was the. That's the jam band with the. Oh, yeah, the, with the, the, the landlord. The landlord. <laughs> I kept confusing uh, Live Nude Psychics for that, but you're right. Yeah, Techno Primal sounded horrible. Yeah. Although that, like, the, the idea, one of, like, again, another one of the amusing parts of that for me. Up on top of like the metal guy in the confusing weird era of the 90s and that becoming uncool was like the idea of like drummers who are like are so into drumming yeah it's such like a hilarious thing especially where you have like so many drum kits around the house which is amazing could you imagine also just like a group of drummers yeah like <laughs> Yeah, As, and, and like Damien, Damien's laugh tells anybody who's played music, and this is a respect due to drummers out there. Yes, you're you're talented people, but you're all very strange. Like, let's not play yeah, that. Like, and I have like I play in a band with like the best, nicest human being ever. Yes. The most well-adjusted drummer I've ever met in my life. Yeah, but even in his well-adjustedness, that makes him kind of weird, right? Like, it's a little too well-adjusted. I don't think so, but I have I have a theory on this, which is one of my theories is. Uh, drummers who are, and I don't know, Jonah, Jonah's a weird one, because Jonah, I don't know if he's a drummer first. I don't know if I would consider him a drummer first. But basically, if your primary, if your only primary is drums, you tend to be a little odd. And that's, again, no disrespect to people. I know they're only drummers. You're, yeah. you're lovely. But, you know, they tend to be quirkier people, I find. It's like, it's like goalies in hockey, or, you know, they're, they're weirder people. I don't know how to describe it. I wonder it's if just it's a weirder like, quirk. I wonder if it's, like, acquired, like, head trauma from, like, constant <laughs> repetitive, like... Well, it's just the idea, like, someone... It's, like, again, like, playing goal in a sport. Like, why would you want to do that? It just sound, it yeah. seems crazy. Like, drumming, at least, like, I get it, personally, because I have compulsions. To, I can play drums a little bit. So I get that idea. But, like, t it does seem like a strange choice of all yeah. the choices musically you could have to just hit something. Like, I realize there's more to it than just hitting something, but... Um, so anyway, I found them, I find them quirky, but my theory is that people who are not exclusively drummers tend to be more normal people yeah. <laughs> from my personal experiences. Again, I'm willing to be proven wrong, but that's my uh, general position at this time. <laughs> well, I think also illustrated by this show, lead singers are the weirdest fucking people. <laughs> <laughs> well, singers tend to have, you know, different, they're a different kind of interesting in a way but drummers are certainly the most quirky people i've ever met in my life yeah uh and again love like i don't not like people i don't want to be around i just it's certainly like again like goalies drummers same world i don't know what it is there's some kind of like thought process there which i am not on that wavelength yeah so, there's definitely you know it's a strange encounter usually <laughs> I'm thinking of like some of the more interesting people I've encountered in bands, and it's yeah. like always the drummer. Like the drummer is usually a little, a little odd. Always, in, in a, like in the way like, like goalies are superstitious, and it's a strange vocation. It's like, it's true. It's weird. I don't the know. The drummer what it that is. would only eat chicken fingers and cake. 
What's that? I never heard that before. It was a drummer that played in a band with a friend of ours. Wow. And we were in That's... Uh, Taiwan with him, and he wouldn't eat any of the food. And he only ate cake from a pastry shop because he only really wanted like pizza See, and chicken but this is exactly like, like that's this is helping my argument. Like that's exactly the kind of thing I'm talking yeah. about. It's it is weird. Like and musicians, if you're listening out there, you know what we're talking about. We met about. another drummer one time who was yeah. taping the sticks to his hand so that he wouldn't fly out of his hand when he was playing. Jesus. <laughs> See like and he was like a, yeah. a man in his like fifties. Uh we've also uh talked about how the legendary <laughs> band from England. All these are British drummers too that I'm thinking of right now. But the legendary <laughs> band Big Business. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, not Big Business. Uh, Big Difference. Okay, I you know, know that band that Joan and I are obsessed with from England. Not their, offhand, but their okay. drummer interrupted their set one time to hawk pills. That's insane. <laughs> uh, something about drummers, but anyway, it's true. It's uh, I'll be you know, and I'm sure someone's gonna write in, and I kind of welcome it. But like, it's true. Like it is. Like anyone who plays music knows I'm I'm like right here. Everyone will give me that nod, even if they're not gonna say it outright. They know I'm yeah. back here. Oh yeah. And like you know, like, like singers have a different personality. Atypically. Again, though, when you're not exclusively a singer, no disrespect to present company. No, I am weird. Um, but, like, yeah, it's just it's not the same if you There's do a barbed wire baseball bat sitting right above your head because <laughs> I'm, I'm weird. I own it. Yeah, but that's not, like, you're not even the entire, like, stereotype of, like a, like, a front person that I'm thinking of. But, yeah, there is definitely a level of, like, more vulnerability that you find in front people from my experience. And having done it, yeah, it, it's a fucking weird thing. Yeah. It really is. Like, so... But again, when you do, uh, when you have a more multifaceted thing, it tends to be a little different. So what I mean is Jonah, back to Jonah, tends to be very, a lot different. Or like other friends of ours, like Ian or, you know, both Ians, I know the drum actually. They are, they're not the same as the drummer stereotype. Although. Yeah, fuck Jonah. <laughs> I'm not going to back that up. No, I'm just saying that's a right band reference. Of course. Demo, I'm I get that. it. I yeah. love Jonah. Do you have it on the wall over there? I do have the fuck Jonah yeah. demo. Somewhere. I have it too. Yeah, yeah it's right there. Fuck Jonah yep. and fuck you. There it yep. is. Have that too. Yeah, that's the. Uh, this is pretty weird. impressive. Like, if, if uh, I wish people could see this tape wall. It's like this is Toronto at its finest when you're looking at that wall from like whatever mid '90s up for sure. <laughs> if not, if not back, you got some. I've got up there. Like, there's the old Tio Channel yeah. Hardcore Con or the Toronto Hardcore. Yeah, Con. which I also have. Yeah, nice. And the Chronic Submission. And yeah, you've got you've got the good the goods. Uh, Regardless, but, yeah, yeah. This is a uh, this is a horrible addiction, Chris. <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, it's a uh, it's a labor of love. Am I on? I'm on my Wi-Fi right now, and I figure we can also live stream this while we're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Getting right to the. Du- this is like a meta the, social media. I'm doing thing. like everything right now. This is like all the <laughs> stuff you're supposed to be doing. There we go. Here we are. Uh, I'd have oh. to close that window. Messed it up. But anyway, back to the podcast at hand. Yeah. Jamie Stewart. Yeah. So what was the – I'm trying to think of the other – he said something that was super funny to me as a description, which I'm now going to use. And I'll wait until you start this video. Three, Maybe. two, one. Has it started? Yeah. So if you're listening to the podcast when we're doing this, you can sync it up to the video. Oh, no, they won't be able to because it's a live video. So. <laughs> It'll be gone. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. He said something really funny, which I think is a new classification, which we have to embrace, which I think you've even said before, maybe, but, oh, there we go. We got a, we got a follower already. People are people tuning in. They're vibing. Uh, if you guys are just tuning into the live stream, we're recording Turn Out of Punk Footnotes. 
uh, right now the podcast. So uh, so this is what happens when you actually have followers, as I'm seeing in front of me now. This is wild. People are logging in. We were joining in. <laughs> we have nine people that are enthralled. Ten um, people are, are listening. <laughs> this is going to be uh, really nerdy. This is some really nerdy podcast talk. So if you're a fan of Turn Out a Punk, get ready because you're going to be able to watch it being recorded. Here's Chris O'Toole. Uh, he's not going to give you his uh, internet handle <laughs> at all. But this is also one. this is also the room that we record. Yeah, show the room. This is like terrible for the podcast okay. right now. This is the room we record in. There are the tapes. There are the LPs. <laughs> Show them uh, There's what we got here. seven inches. And now we're back. Okay, there we go. All right, back to the podcast. Yes, one uh, classification which I feel is something that she needs to be put in Actually, I'm going to put a stop in so I can remember to edit this part out. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> you got it in now? But one classification I think that uh, we need to go with here, as I've said for the fourth time now, annoyingly to the live people, but uh, is uh, what did he, I think he called it black shirt wear black clothes wearing music. Yeah, and I think that's a great classification, and I think it's something that we should now officially use as a culture, subculture, whatever it is, to describe things that are apt for that. Uh, first of which is D beat music in all forms. Is black, is black clothes, clothes wearing music? music? Yes. Also but, goth, of course. But what about something like, uh, uh, like, like something like the Big Boys? Yeah, but what do you mean? I don't think of it when I think of the Big Boys. You think of those records, like it's like vibrant and yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's not black funky. clothes wearing music, yeah. but I would say punk as a genre is black clothes wearing music. Yeah. See, that's where I would, if we're going into this idea of like uh, nuance, I would say. Yeah, by and large, I think you're probably correct, but a lot of the punk I like isn't, personally. It's not to say that there isn't some that is, but I think by and large, I think Big Boys are a good example, or like uh, any of those bands. I think like even in MDC, I don't think of that as black clothes music or like any stuff like that, or even though, again, always of the era. It could be though MDC though, right? It could be. It's almost like black clothes music and patch music. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> There's another one. Oh, like two separate little subgenres. Yeah, like... true. Patch music is definitely DB. Let's just double down on that right now. But uh, pat- that's like a that's the best of both worlds. Is black clothes patch music or whatever. black clothes patch music? Yeah. There's like bands that I've judged so harshly when I was a kid because they were on patches, and before I heard them, like Infest. Until <laughs> <laughs> I heard Infest, I was like, oh, yeah. what's this band going to sound like? You know, like there's just like you associate them with all these other bands that you see there on are, the same patches. I would like to know if there is a metric upon which we could actually um, find out how many bands, because of people who wear patches, have grown exponentially. Their um, their whatever their presence or whatever has grown exponentially because of the amount of people that wear their patches. So I think that there's a lot of uh, a lot of groups that we're discussing there that have. So patches are almost like, uh, like the viral marketing. They were pre, of, yeah. Of the uh, I think, yeah, punk punk world. I think like it would be the equivalent of like hashtagging something, yeah. like way whatever, too long ago. Yeah, like you used to like <laughs> it's the same way now. Like you kind of like you know, you begrudgingly 
uh, you know, don't care about bootlegging because it helps spread the word about your band. So yeah. MP3s are like not an issue in the same way you wouldn't care about someone bootlegging your merch by selling a patch because it was helping spreading the word about your yeah, band. Yeah, it's a weird thing actually because yeah, you're right. It does seem strange that that went. I mean, because with patches, it's just flagrant. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> like so, but it's like it's like now even you can get away with like just like fra- flagrant bootlegging. Yeah, yeah. I think with with yeah. I mean, like your. I mean, would you really care too much if people were bootlegging shirts of yours? This is not giving license to be able to do it. Of course, listeners don't. No, no, I don't. I don't. I don't think I like. As long it depends what it was. Yeah, fair enough. But say someone just did like a, or even patches. Someone, people, yeah, if someone's like wants to make a patch of fucked up. Like I'm not yeah. gonna stop them. It's not gonna like you know. It's not like we have an official merch store. Yeah, we probably well, do. Have do official, actually, do we have an official merch store? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I don't think there's patches. I don't know if they have patches. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they have patches. <laughs> I think you've uh, you're, you're, you're now like band. you're now <laughs> you were actually we I think were, you were a black clothes patch band you're right and you weren't you were a weird black clothes patch <laughs> patch punk because you didn't really like that's really only when I think of that classification when I mention it in reference to your band I'm only thinking of Mike like yeah. no one else or maybe Josh Josh and Mike and then I think now that's much different that whole scenario. Yeah, like, could you imagine anyone... Like, now I would say I'm the most... No, Sandy's the most black clothes punk band member of Fuck That. I don't know. I don't see any of you like that anymore. I don't think. Uh, Sandy wears a lot of black clothes. Yeah, but Sandy... When I think of the... When he's describing black clothes in reference to the episode for the listener, like, he's mentioning it in reference to... I can't remember what he's... He's talking about, like, Bauhaus and, like, stuff like that. So it's like... That's not what I think of when I think of Sandy. Certainly, like it's no, no, no. you know what I mean, or and not that she couldn't be into Bauhaus or whatever. I think she has like some Bauhaus. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, it's fine. It's it's part of the uh, you know, it's part of the tapestry. We all have those little dabblings here and there. But like, I think of it as like a, a the, the person you see that exclusively <laughs> has that uniform. And again, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just it's it's a thing, and that's. I don't know where that I don't I don't know what made that a thing. It's always intrigued me because I've never I've never been that person personally. So I don't know you I don't think no, I either. Don't so it's it's a strange um it's a strange archetype. And the, saying it like that and saying music that relates to it is oddly fitting but weirdly bizarre that it fits because it shouldn't. You yeah. think. Yeah. In a very multifaceted, you know, whatever genre and all that. Um, I guess, uh, you know, another kind of like weird point to kind of think about fashion wise that I was thinking about is like, what was the fashion vibe of live nude psychics? <laughs> like picturing like a bunch of like LA punk people kind of on the other side of their thirties in forties, I guess by that point. I a lot of black for sure. I'm going to double down on that one. I'm going to say at least... I two thirds are wearing some kind of a boot. You have a little battery on your phone. I know. Um, All right, we're gonna have to sign off. Oh, hey, what, Matt Summers? Come on the podcast, Summers. <laughs> come on, dude. All right, I think we're gonna sign off right now, Chris. Uh, this is it. Thanks everyone for uh, watching this live uh, Turn Out a Punk Footnotes recording session. This will be up in the next day or so. Oh God, my beard's fucking. <laughs> Real frizzy, weird right now. I need to, I need to put this in. <laughs> what would you stop? Have a blessed night. Oh, what up? 
going to have that session soon. Hi, everyone. Thank you. Uh, have a good night. <laughs> you have to put in another stop now. Share the video for 24 hours? Yeah, sure. Sure. Whatever. I'm just going to go back in it later and put your Instagram tag on there. <laughs> yeah, get me a whole new, whole new crowd. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but I don't uh, have one. I don't know what you were talking about. Go on. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> it's like secret Instagram thing. Uh, but I was just like, yeah, like the fashion vibe of that band. Like, there's just so many things that like he just paints such a vivid picture. Like, I would watch uh, a series about the growing up of that kid. Yeah, I think the story's hilarious. I think. Well, I mean, I'm not just saying it to like make fun of it. I think it's. Oddly um, relatable, even though I didn't have that, whatever, that upbringing or whatever, that scenario. But, like, everything he's saying, I just, yeah, like, what it is for me, it spoke to this idea. We've talked about it many times in the show over and over and over. You, there was a time, (laughs) I don't know what this exists like anymore as, like, an official old person now. So the young people who are coming up, I don't really know what their experiences are like as much as mine was. But that kind of human being you had to like deal with or interact with that seems so oddly out of your world was such like a thing and it seems so funny in hindsight because you would think like why would you even put up with this to to do this or whatever and his scenario is so funny because he ends up he's describing the guy like unflatteringly the entire time (laughs) and then then he eventually gets the point where he's like yeah I'm living in his shed and it's just super funny because it's like how would you ever put yourself in that shoe? Very <laughs> Rollins-esque, though. True. He's his chin, yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. What is? The, yeah, what's the percentage of punks that lived in like sh- non like sheds or of uh, their like guitar player? Yeah, guitar player like you live in the shed of my backyard. Yeah, just in general, like like pool house kind of like not official dwellings that aren't squats punk world like what's the percentage i'm saying it's a solid 30 plus oh god yeah <laughs> like <probably>. easy <laughs> at probably. least for like a, whatever duration but um <laughs> yeah but i it's encountering those people like we've talked about before with the idea and even this guy when he talks about him sounds like a bit older but like it's the old young like the the, the weirdly old guy yeah. to young person thing which seems super weird and sketchy oh yeah like as a parent <laughs> you know, like <laughs> What you're hanging out with a what? Yeah. Like, well, and that only also that also flies in punk. And we've talked about this before, I think, on the show. But like, there are things that fly in punk. Like, as like a sixteen year old, I had like adult friends, like forty year old friends. Yeah. You know, that would drive yeah. me around, and like yeah. maybe I'd go stay with and sleep in the hotel room with, like <laughs> shit that like you tell. Yeah. Seems very cautionary, yes. It's very cautionary. <laughs> like, it seems like, like, wow, that was crazy. And, like, you know, like, when growing up, you'd hear stories about, like, you know, like, we used to be able to hitchhike growing up, you know? Well, but, like, that was our hitchhiking. That's, yeah. like, our hitchhiking. Like, we used to be able to meet people on the internet and become friends with <laughs> yeah, them. true. <laughs> it was totally fun. It does sound very strange. But, yeah, that is very true, actually. I think the, I mean, obviously, everyone now connects in that manner in a certain degree, but thinking of it now where you didn't have like a presence of social media and it was just literally like more or less like message boards and the most yeah. p- very primal of forms of just like not even message board I'm th- I'm thinking of times like you like you um 
Usenet groups, I think that's what they're called, stuff like that, like pre, like like level one internet, yeah. where like zero graphics, like just nerds. Like, yeah, and it's thinking that people developed relationships from that kind of thing is amazing to oh, me. Oh, God, yeah. Because now I, you wouldn't even talk, like, you know, like I can't even tolerate a message board anymore. It just seems pointless. So, like, yeah. <laughs> And it, yeah, if you're a parent of someone, it would like, <laughs> it just seems so. Yeah, like. I thought it was also funny. I'm going to Dayton to go to a music festival. The with- fact, your story's hilarious, yeah. His, similarly, I love the idea. Another thing in this episode that killed me, and I love this because Jonah had it, you've talked about it a bit, and his was great too, where he was, he moved home and he was so embarrassed, and he says, like, that, uh, he lied to the band and said he went to the Stanford. He was whatever. Yeah, that was the idea of like going so hard on a lie that's so wild that if you're found out, everyone would just go, "Why are you lying about yeah. that?" It's so amazing, and I think the punk world and the dude calling him on in the band, like uh, <laughs> yeah, schools, yeah, and it's like the amazing thing that this is, that's like probably like a dude from the Screamers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <It's> like, <laughs> and the idea that then that person calls him on that, and then the thought process is like, why is this guy lying about this? Yeah, like, like, it doesn't make any sense. Kid. <laughs> like, also, just the fact that like, just like like you're putting that band together, and you're like, okay, we got this person, we got this person. You know what we need? <laughs> a fucking kid playing a fretless bass. Yeah, exactly. So get like, it's like, well, I saw a kid down in the jam space when I was buying drugs today. Like, who thought that was a good? Yeah, that's that is a bizarre. Co- I gotta see this fucking band. They don't sound awful. On, I mean, I know we're kind it's, of chuckling about all of. No, it's but like a bunch of music geniuses. Oh no, like, yeah, yeah. Every single member of that band has like an incredible catalog of music that they're responsible like that's why it's even stranger though because you would have thought that in that era they wouldn't have had to rely on a stranger to be in a band with that's what makes it peculiar but I mean you still see it like there's a lot of people you still see Kira Rossler's probably sitting over there like what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) like you know like there's just like every Mike Watt like come on there's, there's a but then again who knows like back to what we're speaking of and the era and the different personalities and whatever, like perhaps some of these people were a little, I'm not saying this was the case, but let's just hypothesis maybe is a, that some of these people were, well, at least one, let's say was a little toxic. So people weren't jumping to be in a band with them. Yeah. So maybe there was a little bit of that too, which you've seen in history happens, but I just think, yeah, it's a bit, it's such a bizarre opportunity for him too because it's such a strange scenario. Yeah. Even when he's talking about those, I thought it was really interesting that he cited. Uh, I think he was talking about the guy in Devo. I can't remember the name, but like reining him in, like he was showing them demos or whatever, and they were like, "Well, <laughs> like, this sounds cool," but they were kind of trash. Not even a song. Yeah, exactly. And it's like the idea of like him not even realizing the value of someone like really kind of like giving him real talk, so to speak, and like. It's super funny. Uh, it's funny rather than them humoring his like nonsense. <laughs> they, yeah. were, they were like giving him actually yeah, like, earnest like, criticism. Like, like, it's like they didn't realize he was a kid. Yeah, exa- exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, right. Like, yeah. So it's like, oh, this is these aren't songs though. That synth sounds cool. And then yeah. he, like he goes off that. But like, I'm curious now if uh, what it would be like to play them like what some shushu stuff to see if like what they would feel like now yeah although they must have put it together this is the other thing do these people realize yeah that he is the guy in that band if they've even heard of that band yeah like I wonder if, that's like, what I'm most curious about and like you know you you would hope 
that someone like Giza X, given the type of music Giza X put out there and the experimentation and some yeah. of that stuff, or or like Paul from the Screamers yeah. or something. Screamers for sure, I would, would think. They, they would be like, yeah. oh shit, this is, we did all right by this kid. Weirder over, and I might be wrong here because someone who's like a mat, like I, I like Shushu, but I'm not like a super head. Like, I'm more amazed that he's never tried to collaborate, at least with the guy from the Screamers again. Because that seems more in the world of that, at least on a song or something. Um, even Giza to a degree. But, like, it's kind of strange that, that he doesn't, to my knowledge, seem to have, like, a step back. Yeah, to go those To reach know. out to them again and be like, hey, remember we were in this band? Yeah, I got this thing. Why don't you come and do a session or whatever? He's still, like, kind of embarrassed. Who knows, man? But it's, it's, it seemed like he was, like, legitimately kind of like I was just, like, a dumb kid. <laughs> could be, legit. but... It just, yeah, it just seems, it's funny that he already had, like, the ice is broken. Yeah. And even when he, like, him jamming with those session drummers, too, is amazing. Like, when he's talking about, like, what pants they were in. Fuck, that was awesome. Like, ugh, the drummer, oh, just such a vivid picture. But, yeah. Uh, uh, so, I guess we could also talk, uh, like, what you, is there any more points you want to get to? Uh, I think we touched on them all. I can't Oh, remember. I guess we, we got to talk about the Donna's thing, because that fucking... Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, that was a good one. That was my uh, jaw-drop moment of the episode. Yeah, well, even I'd forgot, you had mentioned it to me, so I, I and it would been so far removed from when I finally got to listen, that I forgot. So he's talking about that, oh, I recorded this band, and I'm not expecting that to come up. Yeah. And then he drops it, I was like, oh, oh, yeah, that's right, so... I never knew of what was it the electrocutes they were the called? electrocutes yeah I never knew of that like I knew of the Don- I know of the Donnas and like that's the only my only um, whatever knowledge of their groups so I didn't know the pre Donnas stuff at all so when he's describing like when you're describing the electrocutes which sounds interesting to me too because it's more like whatever a little more hard rock metally whatever mm-hmm. and then he's describing a band that's got like you know like a Riot Girl adjacent sound yeah. or I think that's amazing like envisioning that group. The, well, that group of people doing that and then eventually become the Donnas is actually super interesting to me too because I always thought again another group from the get go that I heard that I thought was good right away was that group like I, as soon as I heard the Donnas like yeah this is great and it's yep. the records are very yep. good and solid and all of them are good yep. so hearing any of the stuff that they did pr- prior would be right up my alley it's too bad too that he's talking about he only really dubbed down one day. that one demo and it sucks because that Hopefully it's not lost. I really would like to hear that. I would love to hear that because the electric stuff is really cool, but this is much more up my alley. Well, yeah, and it's just such a straight again, like it's such a weird thing to like go. Okay, the guy from Shushu recorded like the Donnas before they were the Donnas, and there's yeah. a demo. Yeah, because it's just like and that's part of the you know this podcast that's great is you you unearth these things, and I'm sure like okay, it's only people like you and I that care about it. Although there is an audience, obviously that does, but like. There is a weird, like, connector there. Because, yeah. again, it's not too... Like, just those two bands, Shushu and the Donnas, I would have never... Wouldn't even think of them in the same context ever. And, like, sonically, certainly not. But it's just... It's wild. But you, you think, like, you know, in, coming from any musical community, you know how incestuous it is because people have jam, shared jam spaces or someone records five or six bands or is in four or five bands and like that's how it works well yeah because the guitar DIY that music especially was so. in was in no effects yeah exactly and there's, you know yeah, played, which in, or played on punk and Drublick at least yeah and played in the Lemonheads. yeah it's crazy and it's like so you can connect the Lemonheads, shoo shoo yep and the donnas and the monkeys because of daydream believer his dad's song <laughs> <laughs> that's so crazy too so like right there we can connect like uh, like a bunch of really kind of completely disparate 
scenes, worlds, yeah, what have you. I also think the Donnas like is like they seem to get fairly popular for for at least a, a minute there, but I think they're a highly underappreciated band in my opinion yeah. too. And I think the idea of like them having like a cool like origin, I've never heard people mind that that I've been aware of. You no, know, it was so. almost like people were like so desperate to undercut their origin back then. When they were happy, yeah. like, oh, they're put together. Oh, like, their manager is blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, oh, this is that. I was, yeah, I liked and, it. I thought they were good. I loved them, too. Yeah. And But, like, there was always, like, this, like, cynicism towards them. And now it's like, no, they were actually cooler than anyone ever gave Well, I think in before. hindsight, like, I think the, yeah, the music's very strong. I think, if anything, it's, I know it's, like, obviously it, it it's, you know, kind of Ramonesy worship, that kind of world, too. But, like, it's... I think it's ahead of the curve in many ways. In the same way, I would give another band, who again I'm, you know, on the basis of their gender, probably isn't fair to couple them. But it is the the bands I'm thinking of that era being vibrant. The Canadian equivalent, I think, is the Riff Randalls. Yeah. Who the first lineup wasn't all female, but um, latter the latter lineup, I believe, was or maybe not. Anyway, but that's what I think of when I think of the Riff Randalls. But the you know, and another band I don't think gets enough credit or got enough credit. Um, right, because like the the first lineup was they had a lot of buzz for that first lineup, and then it was like completely different. Yeah, the first that. seven inches, great. Yeah, they were and they were fantastic when I saw it's them. Cool, I think they cool vibe for Chicks Ticket actually at the Horseshoe. They might, yeah, yeah. I believe I didn't go to that, it? but I remember. Yeah, there was a tour of that, I believe. But yeah, cool band. But what I'm saying is, I think like when I. What I'm trying to say is I think those bands weirdly dropped. If they had dropped, like, now, I think they would be much more uh, welcomed yeah. than they were at the time. Not that they weren't welcomed. They did all right. But I think it would have went over better now than it did then. They were, it was a lot, like, not less hostile, I shouldn't say, but, like, yeah, well, less hostile towards women yeah. in punk rock. And, and I like, think... I think there's been enough precedent set too. Uh, what I'm what I mean to say is uh, more so in the Donna's case. I, I love the Refrandles, and that's Refrandles are more of like a, a footnote band for like us, and it's, I think probably because they were Canadian. Group. But the uh, the Donna's I think are more a band that I think why I don't think they get enough credit is because I think they did do something like like yes, there was like you know sort of all female punk bands and all that existed, of course, but I think it didn't reach that kind of pop punky level in that era. Like I'm, I'm trying to, I'm struggling for bands that. Well, cause like pop punk's such a word. Yeah. Dude I don't. And core. I, Donna's it undersells them even say they were pop punk, but they were in that world. Cause I can't remember. Lookout put out the first one or I'm trying to think. Yeah. Lookout. Yeah. So or they dragged some like, so they had their own label, but then it was like, Lookout was like their. Yeah. There was some like weird connection label. there. I can't remember. But so I don't know. I'm gushing about the Dons now. I just think they're great. I think no, that's but I agree great. with you saying like the Muffs. You know, that's another. Yeah, group there we that go. Should have gotten a lot yep. bigger than they totally. did. Totally, that's a big one. I think even uh, oh, he brought them up before. They're a great group. I don't think all fe- all female exclusive, but they were uh, fastbacks. Yeah, great. Another great band. Yeah, fantastic underrated, band. Massive. Band. Oh, incredibly underrated. Like in in like. I mean, I think those even are all these instances that we're talking about now. I think weirdly enough are are almost the most underrated because I think. As much as like I love a group like Huggy Bear, which again is multi-gender, I, I love a gr- you know I love Bikini Kill, I love Ratmobile, I love all that stuff. But those bands are well represented in the history books, and they get a lot of praise, uh, not unduly, but they get it. Whereas the Don, the, the other bands like that, sort of slip through the, the mm. not the cultural relevance because they are relevant, but they don't get the 
the high praise based on like being like wall breakers of like you know well, and whatever. They, well, they weren't necessarily part of a movement. Yeah, exactly. That's and better stated. It's, it's, said, yeah. you, you're like better served to be part of a movement. Sure, because it gives yeah. you you know. But like yeah, like the fastbacks, like that's like like eighty, yeah, eighty one. Yeah, you know, and they're still putting out great records like into the nineties. Yep, and it's it's uh, yeah, like there's not a lot of bands you could say that about. I I worry that there's that, and this is back to my like we were having a talk before going live here, but the uh, that's the thing about like the nineties that I do miss is like that sort of the fastbacks. Like I realize they exist in the eighties, but like at the night when I think of nineties fastbacks. Like that kind of stuff right now is not stuff I'm, I'm for me I'm hearing as much. Not that there aren't women in bands and there aren't bands that are like whatever power poppy whatever, but there's just like there was a a lot of that kind of world that I really enjoyed that I don't hear as much of now. I could be a little out of touch, but um, well, I think now it's just there's too much stuff. Like so, there yeah, probably could is be, it could that be an overabundance scene exactly right. for you. Yeah, but it's like how do you find it? Yeah. Right now, because it's just like there's so much stuff. Yeah, this is an old, that's a, an old guy privilege thing I'm saying. But like, you know what I mean? It's, there's something about it. There's something about those groups. And I, I, I what I'm trying to say is I consider those kind of groups really important when I think of the this kind of music personally. And I don't think, you know, you know for every other group people gush about, I just don't, you know, and obviously I don't think that someone's going to go off as much about, say, like a band like the Bad Brains as I do the Donnas. Of course not. But like, at the same time, like I do think there is a lot more of an importance to a group like the Donnas than you know another punk band that is not like a forbearing pioneering band that I hear people talk about like eight you know eight thousand times more right mm-hmm. so it's like this weird thing, and like sonic preference aside it's just it's a weird world I don't get it, especially in that pop punk realm where they were alongside a lot of bands that were getting major attention. And I think they were far superior to most of the stuff at that era, personally. They they had a good run. Like, they were in the Detroit Rock City. Or yeah, they yeah. were in, uh, not or, Detroit Rock City, they were in Jawbreaker, or no? What were they in? 10 Things I Hate About You? No. I can't remember, but you you are onto something. I do recall. Idle Hands? Ooh, no. Maybe. They were in a movie. Yeah. Um, they were in a movie. They were on a couple soundtracks. They had, like, you know, like, that kind of thing. But you're right. Like, they never got, like, the genre love that they should have. Yeah, um, and it's because like, you know, you think about the stuff that was dominating the genre world back then. It was like kind of like broish. Yeah, to a degree. I think I just think it's weird. I think there's always that just cases of these bands that I don't think. Again, they got a bit of you know. Not saying they they were like a band that struggled and didn't get anything and didn't sell any records or whatever. But they just when I think of it now, they're one of these groups. When I think of like groups that were lost a bit to the you know to the eras i think those are the groups we're talking about now we're surrounded by records of those bands <laughs> yes. that are lost to and there's a lot of other ones different eras <laughs> um uh it, i guess we can move on now yeah, you yeah. want to talk about drew carolyn yeah sure uh, because uh, that was a fun episode. Have you I don't it? have the book yet, by the way. If you have it here, I don't have it. I don't have I'm it. Like, oh, you don't here have yet. it here physically? No. It, I've seen like some of it. Oh, it's like, amazing. Uh, like the things, yeah, it's amazing. Uh, but yeah, like that's like, uh, you know, that's one of those cool things. Like I'd heard about that photo project for a couple of years before this came out, you know, yeah. and it became like one of these legendary sort of like archives of just what was going on at the time, you know, like Matt Dillon's in that book. Like I didn't know that when you mentioned that, I didn't realize that either. Yeah. The, uh, I had never heard about it before. So when Radio Raheem put it out, I just thought, Oh, this is cool. And then, uh, 
the seven inch included too, like piqued my interest big time. But the, uh, I just think it's like hearing his story about it's even cooler. I didn't, I wasn't aware of the degree of the story it had. I just thought it, when it first appeared, I thought it was, um, just people taking photos at the time of the, of the matinee, mm-hmm. which of course, you know, is sort of what it is, but hearing it, that he's an outsider that sees this, that goes about it in the manner he does. And that's what creates this book. It's kind of insane. And you're, you were, very very right you know at numerous times in the interview for me anyway to point out how you know uh unique it is that someone outside took an aesthetic interest Mm -hmm. into what was going on to the point where that that's they um had put that much effort into documenting it at all is is insane it's kind of bizarre now because for me we take that stuff for granted now it's everywhere you know like you know a concert happens or anything and it's always documented real time so you don't experience that anymore it's it's a given um however you know <laughs> in that era it's certainly not oh yeah and like there's a lot of great coffee table books now and a lot of great photographers that have made you know a name rightfully so in documenting you know whatever scene or whatever group and rightfully and there, there's some great photos out there of, of the world of punk whatever you want to view it as but that very nuanced idea of that specific little window is kind of wild that there was somebody that had that much foresight to go i want to i want to get these kids i want to do this i want to it's it's yeah it, and to me it's even funnier because you know when i say the word kids is what triggered it in my brain but like it makes me think of someone like larry clark and i go okay what he was doing was unintentional or not a total lift on that idea mm-hmm. right so it's this other same like because he had referenced i can't remember who he referenced like the i don't, the, I don't uh, know drew yeah uh, he he had referenced another photographer who had done it who he uh took the idea from but you know used it in a different way but the larry clark essentially did that seemingly with you know well he's done it with a, a number of things based on his photography but particularly in the reference to kids in that era of like new york 90s whatever um skateboarding blah 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 it's weirdly like again i want i'm curious how cognizant he was of that you know larry clark because larry clark is much older than than drew is so i don't know if he was i don't think he's maybe not terribly aware of that new york scene or like new york that new york hardcore scene matinee scene specifically but i wonder if he was aware of that at all yeah you know and also thought of it in that light or it was just a bizarre coincidence perhaps but um but anyway, I think it's a, a very impressive point to bring up that, yeah, it was extremely uh, ahead of the time to document that in the manner he did. And also wild, because, like, it was so... Yeah, it wasn't... Yeah. You know, like, it'd be, I couldn't even imagine someone doing it now. And now it's like seems, like, so, you know, like, well, yeah, much you're right more to say, obvious. Yeah, like, the stories are always these weird... Like, you, the reason why you know to a degree a lot of people mythologize like the new york hardcore thing is because the stories are so like wild in that world Mm -hmm. and anybody who obviously has been to new york or experienced new york and certainly you or i did not experience new york of that era but you know i've experienced new york enough to kind of you know get as much of a feel as i could and i can't imagine how that must have been so to look at it from again an outsider who's older who's not really a part of this either which is you know it's intimidating for anybody to get to go into something like that as an outsider, yeah, let alone right, an outsider yeah. that's not, you know, really not, you know, ultimately like down with it either. Like he's down with it in that he saw the importance of it, but he's not, you know, he, he wasn't he's not like, like in a band. Yeah, like he didn't seem to be the guy that then was like, 
you know, had to get Pusshead's top 100. And like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. So it's an interesting uh, compulsion. I think it, it speaks a lot to the fact of how much he likes his craft. But, yeah, it's an insane book. I, I, hearing his story makes it even cooler. I mean, we've expressed this numerous times, and even when he tells the story of uh, Cooch calling him up for that sacrilege photo and that, like... Ray Rahim is too much. They're unbelievable. Like, for me, they're flawless. We can't talk enough about it for me. Uh, this book's great. I think it's phenomenal. It definitely made me, his interview definitely made me like, I'm going to buy this just a matter of time. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I, I probably would have anyway to a degree, but like, I, I'm moved to buy it now. Because um, I think, I do think it is important. I think, you know, I, I just can't, you know, and I don't know cooch like you do like i know him a little bit but like knowing people that no, <laughs> do, he's on another level yeah like knowing people that are that do this like as he talks about even that drew does and yeah i'm always he also came up on the first came up on the freddy alva episode too <laughs> of course but i'm always impressed by people even like your yourself who have this level of dedication that it's just uh i don't know i i just I'm a dilettante compared to Cooch. Like Cooch is like. Well, that's yourself described, but then I would be out of nothing. You know what I mean? Like, like so none, it's none of us are compared to the Cooch perhaps, level. Perhaps, but but I'm just saying, obsession. like it's still like I I'm fortunate enough to have even just met some of these people that that do do that or whatever. But I'm still impressed. I just, but yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I'm gushing. But yeah, it's um, great. Yeah, fantastic book. Uh, trying to think if there's anything else we can get to. I'm trying to think of the stuff he mentions specifically in it, uh, if there's anything New York points. Him seeing this, him talking about walking in and seeing the stimulators and being floored by how young yeah. Harley was, it's like, come on. Like these, he, oh, we didn't talk this, we have to jump back, but how do we not talk about the Gigi Allen The Gigi Allen story was fucking incredible. We will have enough, what eventually will happen the Jamie Stewart one, yeah. on this show, and hopefully, hopefully, we get enough, but we already got two really great ones. And they're just going to keep coming, and eventually, I hope to compile someone, if not myself, will compile the the Turnout of Punk Gigi Allen folklore stories. And it well, will be no, we have more than two because we have. Uh, there's also that's how the Joey from Lagwagon episode opens. Oh, there is more. Where's I think the there's Gigi actually Allen, four. Isn't there a reference even in the uh, the first? Um, uh, why is oh her, no! There's all the. All why is the her name drug. escaping me? Perfect pussy. What's her name? Meredith Graves. Meredith. Yeah, oh, there's one to the rest yeah. to the murder junkies. Yeah, I don't know. There's too much about him in it though. And then there's also a lot about him in the Drug Cosloy Part Two. That's right. Okay, so we got a bunch. <laughs> yeah, we so definitely fun. have, I think, a solid 12 inch side one, at least at 45, probably at 33. <laughs> yeah. But we can definitely we're, we're on the roll. We're gonna keep unearthing them, and it's gonna be really great. We definitely have enough now. Now that I think about it, you're right. Like there's yeah. a. How insane is that, though? Like, first of all, let's just oh, talk so about somebody up. having the nerve to just hijack a band on stage and force them to play the blues. The fact that they just started then playing, like, weird blues stuff and he was just, like, going with it is super funny. But the him describing the bouncers carrying, like, a carpet <laughs> was also super funny. <laughs> and just thinking, like, okay, if these stories that we've heard just secondhand, thirdhand on this show... There are this many. Like, imagine how many there are. Oh, my really. God. And, and then you go, this guy's life 
Like, what the hell is going every, every on? Day of that li- every day, every day, every night oh. of that guy's life, he made someone's memories. He made memories yeah, for someone. Yeah, largely for very awful reasons. Yeah, but yeah. yeah of course. No, it wasn't all good memories. <laughs> but I like these stories because they're all really weirdly self-deprecating, and they kind of chip away at the myth as well, which is why I think they're great. Yeah. Because it, 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 it normal it, like, humanizes how, like, silly some of it is right like it's almost like cartoonish it's not to say that he was a cartoonish character by any means but but again the fact that the guy from shushu has a (laughs) gg story is amazing and not only is it a gg story it's a great gg story it's not like so it's yeah that i can't believe we forgot to think about that offhand so sorry to take away from the drew thing but we had to jump back we have to jump back that that is true um he is he is he is like a, a reoccurring character on our show. And even just thinking too, like, because he's younger, so like, because he did that to the um, live news psychics, right? I yeah. think. So it's like yeah. those guys have to know who he is. They were. They've said and they were like guys are either, scared. Are either his age or older? Just like what is happening? And this is in L A. I think yeah, LA. right or L A. or somewhere yeah. in the Bay. It's like just like what? Like why is he there? <laughs> Imagine like that existing now. Like there's like a a boogeyman that exists in music, and you might uh, pop up at your show, and everyone's scared. Yeah, it kind of does exist now. Actually, I'm sure, you know? it probably does. But it's like that level of maniac, and like to the degree, I just every time I think of this now. Imagine that in this world. Like imagine in 2017, 2018, like this human being exists. Like it oh, can't no, he can't exist. Like couldn't. this guy. I just yeah. He burned too bright. <laughs> Dude, the fact that he didn't make it to 2000 says it all. But, like, yeah. like honestly, I can't even imagine a world of him in the contemporary world. How insane that yeah, would like, be. Yeah, like, people always be like, oh, you know what? If Kurt Cobain was around today, it wouldn't be that, like, you know, what would he be like? Like, he'd probably say some pretty horrible shit. People would have to be dealing with that. What would it be like if Gigi was around today? Yeah. I think, sadly, it would probably play out like, because if you look at his latter career, it's just seemed to be going more, you know, clowny. So yeah. I think it would just be like your atypical, I don't know what you want to say, like like uh, trolly kind of nonsense stuff that yeah. would become like so painfully irrelevant. But like, these stories are wild. Anyway, I don't detract from this story is amazing. <laughs> like... Another that's it might be one of my favorite ones actually of all of them. They're all they're episodes. all pretty much insane. That, that one's a great. That Jamie episode is one of my favorite episodes I've ever <laughs> it's, it's gotten. It's very into. good. And uh, I guess we have time uh, because you don't have to get your car for another five minutes, ten minutes. Yeah. Uh, we can talk about the Kevin Drew episode. I didn't get a chance. Yet. You haven't listened to that? Oh, that was uh, I'm gonna on the way home. That's one of the weirdest yeah. ones. It's like a therapy session. Really. Yeah, I'm curious because like, the only things I know about him, I know the team he supports, and I know what bands he's in. That's it. So I'm really curious to hear it. I'm no joke. I'm going to listen to it on the way home. Okay, no, it's got it's got so some. I'm sorry, uh, I can't get into that. No, I'm do not worry. I just work has had me very busy. Chris, do not worry. I'm glad. I'm glad you're going to have entertainment. I'm glad that you've <laughs> driven to Toronto, listened to me talk on the way here. <laughs> True. Sat in Toronto hearing me talk, and now you're going to drive home. Yep. With me talking. Full to day. You. Full day of you, Damien, in your ears. Hey, put the flavor in. It's ears. been a minute. I I actually it reminded me though when when you have to um, uh, binge something, how great it is. Like it's because I'm I'm behind like three or four or whatever it was. So I had to binge a couple to get ready for this one, and then I was like, okay, and now I'm gonna binge a couple on the way home, or at least one on the way home. Drew. Yeah. Okay, I think. Oh, sorry. But oh what gosh. can we? Is there any pressing stuff since we're on a footnotes now? 
stuff that we discussed in previous ones. I know we can't do obviously mailbag or anything like that, but like, or I guess we could if you want for five minutes. But the uh, what is there anything we had to discuss that we didn't get to off the top? That's like the atypical. Well, we got to talk about it. We could talk about that Stephen Blush article. Oh, if you want, yeah, yeah, that one was. Po- <laughs> what was it called? There's there can be no world peace. There could be world peace. Something. Yeah. Stephen yeah. Blush, of course, writer of the uh, American Hardcore book. Yeah. The infamous oral history of American Hardcore. Yeah. And hey, he has uh, now written an essay where he talks about why there will never be a Cro-Mags reunion. Yeah, sort of outlining. There's a, there's a big hole in it in the sense that there's really no mention of like the other members beyond obviously the the main two that are at odds. Yeah. Uh, which is a little bit of well, yeah, not a little bit. Is Paris it? has beef, right? Like there yeah, they have beef with Paris. They all kind. Of, I don't know, but to me, it's an it's, it's a pretty big disservice to not include the other people if you're going to write an article of that. Which is obviously it's baiting, and it, the whole intent of it is to kind of get people reading it, as I did. Yeah, <laughs> to, yeah. For the for the story, which everyone expects, but at the same time, it was a little. I want I. What I mean to say is, there are things in it that are very well detailed. I think. Uh, in discussing, like, per, perhaps, like, the financial matters of what's kind of going on in the background that people might not know as to why what's happening is happening or whatever. But the um, but the bummer of that is you would think that there would have been that same uh, level of, of uh, investigation with, like, the other people. Yeah. And there's no mention. That's what's unfortunate about it. And, and I mean, whatever. He can write whatever he wants. That's whatever. But... Um, but it's an interesting article for those interested in that kind of thing, for sure. Do you think they would have, like, it kind of implies that they would almost have, like, a Misfits-esque run. You know, maybe not that big, but, like, you know, like, we're at a point now where the Chromags logo iconography could become, like, Misfits iconography. Like, we're just become ubiquitous. Uh, I think in a way, like, I think in a Because there's no band from that era. Like, they would be the band from that era. It's not like people are, like, it's not like Youth of the Day. Has that but appeal. I think though, like if I'm if I'm using it, I would use a band like Agnostic Front's a much better template, and they never well they went away or whatever, but they didn't sort of go away because they still exist. But like, I don't know, like I, I think, it's hard to say because part of that longevity, even the Misfits, went on without Danzig. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So they still stayed. I think that that actually did elevate their presence as much as they were already like the household punk name or whatever. Um, I think that definitely helped. I think the Chromags, even though they continued, really didn't continue in the same manner. Like, they became a real different animal. And then now you have this, like, the two groups and all yeah. that, or all that yeah. world. So, I don't know. It's it's a weird argument. I don't... I do think they deserve, obviously, to be in that level. I think they deserve to share the, the prominence with the minor threats and the whatever the... Um, yeah, I would say they're the, as the big as minor threat, but I think Misfits are like in that upper tier. Misfits yeah, are almost like Motorhead. Yeah, I think you have the best take on the Misfits that I think I've ever heard, which is like the, the most punk band, not punk band at all thing, which I, I think they're a unique group. I don't, they're a weird... I thought like the Chromex would be the most hardcore band, not a hardcore band at yeah, all. Yeah, I, I think what I think is the notoriety that the Chromex is going to get, for me... I mean, obviously, they get from the punk hardcore world to to an extent for sure. But like, the what where it would push it over the edge would be like, yeah, like all of the like the crossover metal yeah, people, the crossover people, right? Because those are the people you t- you tend to find that like even more so that you don't expect hold that record or let's say the first two in pretty high regard. Mm-hmm. So it's and rightfully amazing records. Um, so 
Yeah, I don't know. It's a weird, weird one. I don't know. I it's, guess. A, it's yeah. I'm trying to think of other things that we could discuss. Definitely worth, a, worth reading that article. There was a passing. There was a few passings. Uh, the offenders. Some oh of yeah, the, the offenders, offenders passed. passed away. I'm trying to Absolutely think, there was a few peace. things I saw, and I'm like, man, we're not in the cycle. It's too bad because we were doing those. No, this is like almost like a, we should we aren't we haven't done the mailbag yet. Yeah, where can people send the mail actually? Uh, Turned out of punk footnotes at gmail.com. And so you can send that email. We'll get back to the email <coughs> next week. Yeah, we're gonna start getting on a regular, more regular routine. Yeah, oh, I got time. Yeah, yeah, we got time. So we are now. Uh, but that's it. Like I think we. Uh, we just, this, I think we nailed it. We yeah. nailed it. I'm okay Capped with this it. one. I nailed this one too. <laughs> I nailed this one too. It was nice to do it in person. It's nice. Great to, be to do in it in room. person, buddy. I'm glad we got to finally, uh, you know, like not do it in a parking lot in <laughs> Niagara region. <laughs> That's true. As my family slept in a water park. <laughs> it's true. very true. Yeah, very very true. Weirdly enough, very true. But yeah, it's great. It's good to have a little visit. Nice to see the cassettes. I'm very pleased, by the way, that I'm looking at a Malhavik one in, in fine, <laughs> yeah. uh, in fine view. Yeah, I've got, uh, uh, I got, uh, I got some tapes. They're impressive. Yeah. If you're ever in this, if you ever get to to sit in the interview room, it is a very impressive uh, sight. You'll first be overwhelmed when you walk in because you'll think like, this seems like too much and whatever. But as soon as you sit. <laughs> You realize, no, it, it is perfect the way it is. It's a little too much. <laughs> Definitely a little too much, Chris. Maybe on the floor. Nothing on the, everything that's not on the floor. <laughs> yeah, the floor stuff. <laughs> oh, God, I gotta go organize this room. <laughs> All right, see you next week. Uh, find me on various forms of social media, at Lefford Damien. Please uh, write a review and subscribe to this podcast and tell your friends. Thank you.